KSB FM, Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Ala Vista. I'm Robert Stark with KCSB News. Uh, this is the show that shares what's happening in and around Ala Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On tonight's show, a focus on housing, or should I say the lack of affordable housing for students as well as staff and faculty. The housing crisis was so severe when students returned to campus last fall, the university had to house hundreds of students in motel rooms. To take a closer look, I'm joined by Dick Flax. Professor Flax wrote an opinion piece for the Santa Barbara Independent titled, UC Santa Barbara, Housing Mysteries. Is it staff politics or money that keeps the university from building housing? Professor Dick Flax, thanks for joining me today on Inside Ala Vista. Great to be here. You've been urging the university to build more housing for at least a decade. Do you want to talk about your interest and uh, stake in bringing more affordable housing to Isla Vista and the UCSB community? Uh, you are the chair of the Sun Coalition, Sustainable University Now. And if you want to explain the organization and your role. Well, the organization is three, three or four of the major environmental oriented organizations in the community, which came together when UCSB announced 10 years ago, a hope to expand the student body to 25,000. It had been capped, legally required to be frozen at 20,000. And so they are required under the Coastal Act, the university is, to do an environmental impact report on the effects of their growth on the natural environment, on energy use, on traffic, on water uh, and air pollution and housing, many variables. And so the environmental community groups uh, scrutinized their draft environmental report, found things that needed to be strengthened in our view Chancellor Yang actually encouraged his staff to negotiate with this coalition. It took a couple of years to go through a multi, you know, very big document. Uh, and we reached a binding legal agreement on a lot of different factors in things that they had to mitigate and improve uh, to take account of the growth that they have been proposing. And we ended up endorsing the growth plan, that is agreeing that the cap should be raised because the university was promising to mitigate it effectively. And one of the big reasons I personally, as a, as a retired faculty member, as a member of this community, an active member of the political community here, I was excited about was the plan of the university to house the entire 5,000 student increase on campus rather than having these students compete for scarce housing in the wider community. The university was going to develop student housing to uh, enable students to live on campus. Not only was that good for the housing problems of the community, but um, it, it was good environmentally because it meant uh, students could be on campus, um, a great increase in the on-campus student body rather than commuting and using, you know, the automobile and so forth. And also, and this was really the big one, 
promise. The university said they would, over the 15-year period of this growth, develop housing for faculty and staff because the faculty and staff would have to be considerably increased as the student population grew. And they were going to provide essentially on university property around Isla Vista, 1,840 units of faculty housing. I'll use the word faculty, but they even staff were included. And the final plan, it's not me that was urging them to do this. They said they would do this, that they would develop up to 1,840 units that would be available not only for newly hired faculty and staff, but for current faculty and even for retired faculty and all within a mile of the campus, within walking distance, within non-automobile -autom use distance. At below market rents, people could buy, we call limited equity condos as part of this plan. It's a tremendous contribution the university promised to the housing problems of this region. And the reason for the distress that Sun has been exhibiting is that these plans have not happened. The Munger project, Munger Hall project, uh, was supposed to house 5,000 students all in one in the world's biggest dormitory. But that, that offer by the billionaire Munger froze all alternative dormitory development. So instead of doing the plans they had originally said they would do, they put all their eggs in the Munger basket. We still haven't seen that project even ready to be finalized, even though they claim they're going to do it. But that project, as might have been anticipated, I think, has caused really a kind of scandal because it's designed from many points of view, not just lack of windows, but many points of view, is not really appropriate at all physically uh, or for safety or for the actual comfort of the students. And so it has been delayed. So that created a, we'll call it a perfect storm because the after the COVID period when there were no students here, students came back en masse and the cap that had been set to bring to be uh, achieved in 2025, the 25,000 enrollment is now in force. That is the current enrollment. So they failed to build the housing for the students. They've, their enrollment has increased much more rapidly than was planned. That's what I mean by perfect storm. So the student, instead of providing for the new the increase in the student body. The campus has added thousands of students to the already serious housing shortage situation that we have in this region. And the same can be said for the faculty housing plans. Those have not been developed. There is a proposal that was supposed to go forward three or four years ago, but still has not materialized called Ocean Road, which would have housed 540 faculty and staff families right on the Ocean Road uh, you know, border between Ivy and uh, UCSB. But that hasn't happened, let alone 
1,300 other um, units that were supposed to be built and that were in the plan. So with uh, UCSB's uh, draft plan for housing, how much would you say is conceptual? Is there a time frame for when a certain number of housing will be built? Is this long-term or is there a very specific number that is currently in the pipeline for short-term construction? That's a great question. So the way I would, the way that the, the agreement reads is first of all, it, this was to occur, the growth was to occur over 15 years so it, it occurred over eight or nine years. Uh, so it's much faster than it should have occurred. The plan, the agreement we have with UCSB is that there should be no more than 500 tripled up units in, dorm, in the campus dormitories uh, that as soon as they achieve 200 tripled units, they were to start planning new dormitories. I don't know what your experience, are you, do you live in dorms? Oh, uh, no. Well, I, my understanding is there are close to 2000 units of dorms that are triple. They're built for double occupancy, they're triple occupancy. So that's the answer to your question. The plan called for a much quicker pace of planning and development of dormitories based on the number of students over occupying, so to speak, crowding into existing dormitories. Um, so they that so their statement is to in response is, well, they have the Munger plan that will house all the students they've promised to house on campus. But where is the Munger plan? It can't be built the way it was originally designed without a lot of review, questioning, and probably a lot of revision. And the plan originally, if you go look at it, it's online, uh, provided for a number of separate dormitory sites, uh, some on campus, some in the uh, western fringe of Isla Vista. Uh, you can even see uh, conceptual pictures of what those dorms would look like. They're not high rise. They're smaller they're scattered it's a very different idea and it's the original plan is for dormitories very much like most of the dormitories you'll see already developed that is nice you know like uh, very recent dorms were built uh, under the old planning uh, designs so that's uh, I guess I think that and that's the way I would answer your question it's these are not this was not, in our understanding, a concept. It was a uh, actually quantitative uh, promise about when would they build new dorms or when would they start planning new dorms. Um, and I, in this article I wrote in the in the uh, on the Independent, you know, I say this is a mystery. Um, it's not clear to me, and they have not been forthcoming. Uh, the UCSB administration on why why Munger was the, the path to follow instead of the original planning, and has Mr. Munger as the billionaire does, uh, donor does he really have power? He personally will determine what the project design will be. He's not an architect, but he's assumed that he can do that. 
And I, the way I put it is he's, a, he's a well advanced in years and it seems a little incongruous for a billionaire, uh, elderly billionaire. And I'm pretty elderly, so I'm not against the aged per se, but I wouldn't presume to try to dictate what young students' life should be um, on campus the way, the way he has reputedly uh, been doing. So that's the Munger thing, but Sun is also interested in the family housing, the faculty housing that uh, was planned because that really is a benefit if it were to be done for not only UC people, but the, the whole community, the whole region. We have such a housing shortage and they were promising to really help change that. And it's very disappointing and frustrating. Not only did they not do it, but why haven't they? So yeah, UCSB has plans for a gradual increase in enrollment from 22,000 to 25,000. Uh, there was this controversy at UC Berkeley where uh, some local community members, uh, they tried to put forth an enrollment cap because of housing and temporarily there was an enrollment, enrollment cap, but that was actually challenged by uh, the state legislature. Do you see a scenario like that happening at UCSB when enrollment caps due to the housing shortage? Our scenario, our history is the opposite of what you just described. The, com the um, community was able to get UCSB 30 years ago to freeze its enrollment at 20,000. UC UCSB's uh, planning is under the control of the Coastal Commission, which has power to um, restrict use, uh, development in the coastal zone. Berkeley isn't under that kind of constraint. But UC, because of this long history, UCSB understands and has always understood for decades now that it should cooperate with the community in assessing its needs. Berkeley's position was, we don't want to have that kind of community uh, participation in our planning. We don't want that kind of control. UCSB public relations is they do. They want to serve the community. The agreement they made with our community. Berkeley didn't make such a uh, agreement with its community. UCSB has done so. Our complaint is they're not fulfilling it. We're saying we want the housing. Berkeley, they were questioning where the, where the housing would go and whether it should be in the community we they promised to build this housing ucsb did and the question is why they haven't and you know i believe there are there are financial issues involved uh as well as uh, perhaps others but they've been not transparent about it to say the least why do you think uh ucsb has not built as much housing as needed? Do you think it's, are there issues with special interests or internal internal politics and bureaucracy within the university? I just said, I think that we, uh, we are, we've asked them a series of questions on paper, which have not been answered. You know, they have not been forthcoming about this. I do think the following, that the state legislature, I, this I know, this is not speculation. The state legislature pushed 
the UC system to greatly accelerate the growth of its student body statewide. And UCSB should only have less than 20,000 students right now, but it's up to 25,000. So the plan was more gradual growth with housing as part of the growth process. So the housing part not been done. Now, I also think there may be limitations on, you know, coming from either the UC bureaucracy or other, uh, you know, state level sources that say there's only a certain amount of debt that debt load that a campus can have. And when you build housing that adds to your debt. Uh, I don't know if that's a factor here. It seems a bit ludicrous because housing pays for itself. Um, it's not it's not like building a classroom uh, which has value, but you don't you don't get an immediate return on building a classroom to make up for the financial debt that you've had to take in order to build it. But housing is very different, and yet I believe that that debt load may be a factor in this. I think you see. SB does not have the funding that it should have for if they're expected to build housing. They don't necessarily at this point have a staff in size and, and competence adequate to do the housing that they promised. Maybe that's a factor. But we haven't been told this. This is my reasoning, my perception. And I hope that there'll be a more forthcoming uh, openness about the problems they've been having. Just I could even say personally that if they were just frank about why they haven't kept the promise, what they say is, oh, these weren't promises, they were just hopes, aspirations. That's not something that can stand up in court. You don't sign a contract with the with the provision that, oh, we'll do the contract if we'll hope to do it, but if we don't do it, it was just a hope. That is not what anyone understood. And that's why Goleta is, uh, City is suing UCSB. They're doing the same kind of challenge to UCSB. So they're, they're suing them, not on anti-development grounds, but suing them for not building enough new housing on campus. Precisely. And Which, is Santa Barbara an issue too, or? Or just go well, well, Santa Barbara was not the city was not a signatory to anything this uh, in terms of this plan, but the county of Santa Barbara has a similar agreement. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to go to court as Galita has done. They may be thinking, well, Galita is doing it in court. We don't necessarily, as a county, have to do it in court. But they are. I, mean, I think they have political means of pressure. I mean, let's put it this way. If UCSB wants uh, support from the community in the future for its development, uh, it is certainly not prepared the way for any further community support. They're going to create a tremendous amount of mistrust and loss of credibility. Uh, there's still time for them to uh, maybe turn this around. And in my view, uh, the legislature uh, needs to step up with support for 
higher education, public higher education in the state, there's a bill in the legislature that would appropriate a very large fund for enabling UC campuses and, and, and Cal State campuses to build housing. The state has not supported student housing for over half a century. So this bill, were it to come to pass, might begin to move things in a different direction. I think that bill even provides support for uh, faculty staff housing as well as student housing. So th that that's something that you know the public can can put pressure on and raise questions with our legislators uh, to do that. The legislature pushed for a faster enrollment increase. They've got to match that increase with better budget. They haven't budgeted for instruction either on an adequate level. Uh, it's my understanding that a lot of students are frustrated about finding classes that they need uh, because the campus is at this point over-enrolled in terms of resources. Um, and uh, in a way, I, I think this is a good crisis that's happened because it wakes everybody up, legislators, the community, the public, and the faculty and students to the fact that we need these kinds of, uh, you know, responses to, to the growth of the campuses, real concern, real concern with the consequences of growth. Uh, and the, the, what you, you, you mentioned before, what the legislature did to exempt Berkeley from the enrollment freeze, uh, they did that, you know, they really um, short-circuited the normal legislative process. They passed in one day, they passed unanimously this bill that exempted Berkeley from the enrollment freeze that the courts had put on them. Well, um, they felt the need to do that, but I didn't see them coming back with a budgetary support for all that or, you know, concern about the students. Berkeley says they want to admit more students to enable more minority and lower income students to come to Berkeley. But if there's no place for them to live, if there's no affordability for them to live, you're not going to have that happen. Their students are not going to go there. Um, so I, you know, I think you know, we've reached a point where all of these issues are very clearly out in the open and we need the answers to come and the possible solutions to come. Well, let me add one other point. Some people think there's no land at UCSB for housing. This is not the case. That may be a problem at Berkeley, not the case at UCSB. The campus plan, 10 years old plan, shows exactly where more housing can go. The exact sites are in that plan. And uh, we have land. We have a lot of land. This is a very, uh, you know, there's a lot of land that this university controls for housing purposes. So that's a good news in terms of possibilities. Yeah, and uh, you touched upon this already, but Isla Vista is, and the campus itself is located in the, in the coastal zone of Santa Barbara County. How much of a bit, how much, of a barrier is the Coastal Commission's regulations on building more housing? Well, the Coastal Commission supported this long-range development plan that includes all the housing that I just mentioned to you before. You're, it's a great question because I don't think the Coastal Commission historically, it's now more than half century old, has had housing development as something that they've supported. But 
why might they be concerned about it now? Because housing is an environmental plus when it reduces commuting, the use of the private automobile, when people can bike and walk from home to, to job, from home to classroom, uh, and uh, the air that, uh, that reduces air pollution, reduces uh, uh, energy use. It actually, what we mean by a sustainable university is one where the university isn't requiring a lot of addition to the um, climate negative pollution and energy use and, war, uh, and so forth uh, that would come from the, the, you know, the old way of doing things, which was to rely on automobiles to get people to where they work. And so I would imagine there'll be people, members of the Coastal Commission staff that will see that this housing plan should be fulfilled in the interest of the coastal zone because it's not about open space being used up. It's about open space that's already planned for this use and not just the open space. Some of the plan was to take down old dorms and put up uh, new ones that would be more accommodating to the size of the campus. That's on existing you know, space that's already designated and used for housing. You know, like on the bluffs, UCSB bluffs, I think is one of those areas. Uh, so yeah, I think the, the Coastal Commission is probably going to look with not great favor, uh, I'm being very modest, about, with about Munger because that that residence hall doesn't And that fit. project, that's officially, is that officially canceled? No, it's officially in a kind of limbo. Uh, Friday, you guys at KCSB should know this is, I, I told Lisa this, Friday there's a town hall meeting of the academic senate where the administration is supposed to talk about all these issues including what's happening with munger the faculty senate demanded set an independent review of the munger project uh, and so that is where M the munger project is there's a, a review going on and that review committee may say don't build it this way so there's a lot more to be heard about what's going to happen with munger no, it's by no means going forward yet. As far as uh, the Munger project, uh, do you see the private sector as a partner and solution to the housing crisis? Would you prefer to see most of the housing done through the university? Uh, let, let's put it this way, uh, not just what I prefer. Up to now, all of the faculty housing that has been built is pretty, pretty good housing. It's quite good housing. It's all in campus areas beyond Isla Vista. Uh, and there's some housing closer in to Isla Vista. There's family housing for graduate students. All of that was done by the university. And all of it is well-planned and, and good. So the, the track record shows that UCSB has theoretical capability of being its own developer of these things. I'm sure the, the dormitories also were built in that same fashion. Well, the Ocean Road project that I alluded to before, the sense we have is that it's stalled because they were required, the university was required to have a partnership with a private developer. But I, as far as I know, there is no private developer they've been able to get who will build the housing according to the specifications of the university. And those specifications require below market costs. In other words, 
it's subsidized housing. Are there private developers who will be able to build under those kind of constraints? I don't see why they should. In other words, if, if the university can do it, it's going to be better planned. It's going to be nonprofit. Uh, it's going to be what we actually need. So I'm very skeptical and I'm very skeptical about, see the Munger project, the way it's done, as far as I understand, the way, the way he was, the chancellor related to him is as follows. He made a very huge financial offer uh, that is very hard for the chancellor to simply say, we can't do that. But the chancellor did not allow that donation offer to be reviewed in the normal way that is re such donations are reviewed. In other words, there's a faculty committee that, whose job it is to examine and scrutinize the effects of such contributions. Because the tradition of academia is that you don't let outside forces dictate the nature of the campus. Uh, the campus should be self-planning and self-governing to the greatest extent. So the contribution is offered, and then the plans are not reviewed either. And that's very atypical. Usually any physical development on campus of size also has a on-campus review before the project is approved. But in this case, that wasn't the way they were trying to deal with Munger. And he, a strong rumor, or maybe it's not even a rumor, it's a fact, is making the donation if his plan is the one that is adopted. Will there not be a donation if his plan has to be fundamentally changed? Well, that's really, I'm a faculty member who, you know, I've been on this campus 50 years. I don't think that's the way you, you can develop a campus. And in fact, it's the exactly wrong way. Let me comment on, it's, it's usually said that Munger is only providing 20% of the total cost. The Munger residence reputedly will cost a billion and a half dollars to build, and he's putting up 200 million. But what is said in response to that is, no, he's going to make sure if he gets his way, he will make sure financially it will work. In other words, he's taking that responsibility. We are told how we are supposed to accept that. I don't know, but that is presumably what he's promising. You know, I think maybe from his point of view, I'm just speculating, this is a great opportunity for him to have his final monument to himself built in which he can claim and his heirs can claim that this guy really designed the world's biggest dormitory in a very unique fashion. Um, and uh, he was never very excited about it and he may be willing to do whatever he can financially to make it happen if that's agreed to. But I don't think anyone not in on the deal is going to agree to it. I mean, the, the architecture history faculty at UCSB are appalled by this. The arc, the, one of the key architects who advises the campus uh, for years about development resigned from the committee because the committee couldn't review it and, and blist, blisteringly attacked the Munger project. Uh, it became a worldwide, I call it a scandal. Um, and all done with this great secrecy, mystery. Is there anything else you would like to add about the housing situation on campus? 
Well, I could I could add this, which is not part of necessarily what Sun is focused on. The way the university has tried to encourage faculty to come is that to help subsidize the housing uh, costs of, of new faculty with subsidizing mortgage uh, loans and so forth, because without that, couldn't hire new faculty, especially young faculty will not be able to afford to come here. My understanding though, is that some of the young faculty who are on faculty now can't afford even with a subsidy to buy housing in the community. They would like to have rentals subsidy. You know, they'd be able to rent here, but to be able to have some of that shared with the cost shared with the university. I don't know what the status of that is, but it's a very important additional factor in the housing crisis, because if you can't enable young faculty who are not well paid compared to the senior faculty, who may be diverse minority faculty, if you can't enable them to live here, you're not going to be able to hire them over time. Um, and that's very bad because we should be proud as a campus of the diversity we have achieved in the, in the faculty and the student body, but it's fragile if you can't afford to live here. And the same is probably true. Well, the same is true of graduate students. I don't think there's been good planning for the graduate student. Many of them have families. There's a shortage of, of such of housing for uh, graduate students and family and affordable housing. That has to be uh, considered. So we all, as, as members of the university, are sharing these affordability problems with working people throughout our region here and in many other parts of the country. Housing is a suddenly become a really serious problem in many major parts of this country, in major cities, whether it's San Francisco or New York or LA, and in desirable coastal towns like Santa Barbara, where wealthy people or people of means can bid up the housing, even, you know, the fact that there are suburban tract houses in Goleta selling for in the million, you know, over a million dollars is in a way incredible, uh, but people are willing to pay that. I don't know who those people are, but that seems to be the case, but they're not typically you see students or faculty, right? So. Yeah, that's what I would add to this, that in addition to building the housing that's needed, maybe the university needs to have capacity to help its members, students and faculty to at least live here uh, through rental subsidies, through housing cooperatives. We have a, a good record of Isla Vista co-ops that could be expanded, could be extended to um, graduate students, maybe even to faculty. Uh, so there are a lot of a lot of things that could be done with support from the state budget and so forth. I just conclude by saying I'm active. I'm retired from, from UC teaching, UCSB teaching, but I'm very active in the community as, a, as an advocate for affordable housing. So I'm, I'm quite concerned about these issues and trying to learn myself what can be done in this crisis. Thank you, Dick Fox. Thank you, Robert Stark. Thank you. Good questions. You've been listening to Inside Ala Vista, speaking about Ala Vista's and UCSB's housing crisis. 
You can read Dick Flack's editorial on UC Santa Barbara's housing mysteries at independent.com. I'm Robert Stark. Our theme music is Siesta by Jazer. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.